Hey, history enthusiasts, you get not one, but two events in history today. Heads up that you also might hear two different hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. With that said, on with the show. Welcome to this day in history class. It's July 26th. Liberia declared its independence on this day in 1847, making it Africa's oldest republic. And Liberia occupies a complicated place in African history. It is very widely cited as the only African nation never subject to colonial rule, but that's not entirely accurate. It's definitely true that it wasn't subject to white colonial rule in the way that its neighbors were. The continent of Africa is huge. It's incredibly diverse, home to an enormous collection of peoples and cultures, all with their own social systems, their own art, their own cultures, their own languages. Literally thousands of languages exist and have existed for thousands of years on the continent of Africa. During the scramble for Africa in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, Major European powers basically divided up the continent in this rush to try to claim territory and resources and basically drew their own map of what Africa should look like without really talking to any Africans about it. That's what people usually think of when they hear colonial rule in the context of Africa, and Liberia was definitely different from that. Liberia was founded as a home for the formerly enslaved population of the Americas. But like the rest of the continent, West Africa, where Liberia would be established, was already home to its own cultures, its own peoples, people with their own beliefs, their own art, their own languages. Again, here's what happened. In the years before the Civil War in the United States, there was one prevailing mode of thought that Africans and their descendants either couldn't or shouldn't assimilate with white society. And people who held this view were really all over the map in terms of their feelings and thoughts about race and slavery. There were Black abolitionists and other Black leaders who thought that they and other Black people would be better off if they went back to Africa. There were white abolitionists who thought that that was what would be best. They had sort of a paternalistic view toward the enslaved people and thought that it would be better for them if they went back to Africa. And then there were people, both slaveholders and non, who were just motivated by racism. And they, they thought if Africans weren't going to be in the United States to be enslaved anymore, that they should just go and get out. So all of these people with these and other viewpoints were united in this overall thought that there needed to be a colony in Africa to receive these formerly enslaved people, Africans and people of African descent. They formed organizations to try to do this, and the most famous was the American Society for Colonizing the Free People of Color of the United States, also known as the American Colonization Society. In this and in most of the other organizations that were dedicated to this cause, pretty much all of the leadership were white. In 1816, the American Colonization Society started trying unsuccessfully to buy land in what's now Liberia to establish this home for the formerly enslaved. It took them five years to convince local African leaders to let them take possession of some land along the coast that would eventually become the Liberian capital of Monrovia. Monrovia is actually named for President James Monroe, who convinced the government to provide some more funding for this project. For about 20 years, people continued moving from the Americas and the Caribbean 
and the American Colonization Society was heavily involved in the administration of this colony. About 15,000 African Americans wound up immigrating to Liberia during this time. Things progressed from there, and then Joseph Jenkins Roberts, who was a black man from Virginia, proclaimed Liberia to be an independent republic on July 26th of 1847. There had been some talk uh, within the American Colonization Society and elsewhere about maybe trying to wean Liberia off of aid from the United States and from these organizations. Other nations formally acknowledged Liberian independence over the next couple of years, and while the United States did to an extent, it wasn't until 1862 that they really officially did so. So it's really not completely accurate to say that Liberia was free from colonial influence. White Americans were heavily involved in its creation and its founding. The original Constitution was modeled after the United States Constitution. Its first president was from Virginia, and for a long time, its official currency was the American dollar. And its early years were marked by ongoing conflicts between the indigenous African population and Black colonists from the Americas. Some of these divisions are still ongoing today. They've never really been uh, addressed. And while the indigenous population was in the majority during this time, Americo-Liberians, that was the people from the Americas that moved to Liberia, they were completely controlling the government. They controlled the government completely for decades. Today, Americo-Liberians make up about 5% of Liberia's population, while 16 other indigenous ethnic groups make up the rest. So that's a very brief story of Liberia. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis for his research on today's episode and to Tari Harrison for editing work on all of these episodes. You can learn more about Liberia in the September 4th, 2013 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class, which is actually on Thomas Morris Chester, who was a war correspondent. And you can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tune in tomorrow for the 65th anniversary of an armistice. Hi, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. The day was July 26, 1887. Uno a Libro, the first book to describe the international language of Esperanto, was published in Warsaw. Esperanto is now the most popular international auxiliary language in the world. International Auxiliary Languages, or IALs, are relatively simple and easy-to-learn languages created to facilitate communication between people who do not have any other languages in common. IALs have been criticized as being useless because of the use of English as the international language of business. But IALs are designed to be additional, culturally neutral languages that people use to make international communication easier. So Rousseau, an auxiliary language based on musical notes created in the 19th century, was one of the first to gain widespread attention. In the late 19th century, the auxiliary language Volapük also gained a large following around the world. Polish physician and oculist L.L. Zamenhof grew up in what was then the Russian Empire. 
He saw how much ethnic and religious conflict was happening when he was growing up, including anti-Semitic violence. In a letter to Nikolai Borovko, Zamenhof wrote about the division between Russians, Poles, Germans, and Jewish people in the town where he was born and grew up, and how each group spoke its own language and viewed other groups as enemies. He said, The diversity of languages is the first, or at least the most influential, basis for the separation of the human family into groups of enemies. Zamenhof spoke several languages, and as he began to believe that a common language could help promote peace and unity, he decided to construct a language that would bring people together. While he was studying medicine in Moscow, he worked on Esperanto, and he attempted to standardize Yiddish, though he later gave up his efforts on Yiddish. Esperanto was the language that Zamenhof would continue to develop. The word Esperanto means one who hopes. Zamenhof translated literature into Esperanto and wrote original works in the language. When Zamenhof was ready to publish the first book on Esperanto after he'd worked on it for years, the Russian Empire was censoring all books. First, a book had to be permitted to publish based on a manuscript. Then, once the book was printed, the authorities had to grant a permit to release it. Authorities allowed the book, titled International Language, to be published on June 2, 1887, and it was allowed to be released on July 26. The next version published was the Polish one, released on September 6. Zamenhof published the book under the name Dr. Esperanto. He used his wife's dowry to publish and promote his book and language. Though the language was initially called the international language, early adopters were fond of the name Esperanto. The title Unua Libro was retroactively applied to the first book. At this point, Esperanto was made up of about 900 roots and affixes that could form 10,000 to 12,000 words. The vocabulary of the language was taken mainly from the Romance languages. Some words also came from Germanic and Slavic languages. The grammar of the language resembles Chinese and Turkish. Dua Libro, or second book, was published in 1888, and Fundamento de Esperanto, or Foundation of Esperanto, was published in 1905. 1905 was also the year that the first World Congress of Esperanto was held in France. After World War I, it was proposed to the League of Nations that Esperanto should be the body's working language, but the French delegate was the only one to reject the proposal. Stalin's Soviet Union viewed Esperanto as an international spy organization. Hitler said it was a Bolshevist plot in Mein Kampf. Esperantists were executed in the Holocaust. Italy, on the other hand, embraced Esperanto to a degree because of the similarities it had with Italian. Conscientious objectors in Britain during wartime, anarchists, and socialists in China and Imperial Japan studied Esperanto. Esperanto supporters have included names such as Helen Keller, Leo Tolstoy, and J.R.R. Tolkien. Though it had mixed reception, with some embracing it and others mocking and even persecuting people for it, Esperanto grew in popularity in the 20th century. Other languages were developed from and branched off of Esperanto. Esperanto publications and groups formed around the world, and it is still used as a first and second language around the globe. The World Esperanto Congress still takes place annually. 
I'm Eve's Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If there's something that I missed in an episode, you can share it with everybody else on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. See you same place, same time tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.